Hey everybody, welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies and Mondays with Maximoff. Once again, this episode is brought to you by me, I'm Matt, Rob is with me as always, and Harrison from the Basement Binge is here once again to help us talk about WandaVision Episode 4. And this is an episode that all three of us are extremely excited to talk about. It certainly was a turn in tone for this show. And Harrison, Rob, uh, welcome, guys. Welcome back. This is uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Very much looking forward to this one. Me too. Yes. Thank you for having me back. Uh, Harrison, it's always a pleasure. So, uh, Harrison, I'm going to let you get started. For listeners of this show, if you've been listening to WandaVision or any other episodes, uh, we are going to go into our two-minute warning. That's where we're going to take two minutes uninterrupted each person, uh, give our thoughts here spoiler-free of what we thought of this episode and then we will move on to spoiler territory and uh, we're going to have Harrison kick us off here so Harrison uh, what's your thoughts here on episode four of WandaVision Um, yeah great episode like you said it it just cranks everything up the last few episodes that we've been recording about WandaVision have the, the biggest excitement has been from anticipating what's coming and it's here and it's epic, and it's awesome, and it's fun that something that as of right now, from what we're presented, is small. You know, it's a small team. It's not the Avengers teaming up, as Mysterio put it. It's not an Avengers-level threat. I think it might develop into that, but as of right now, it's not. And it's awesome to see small characters like Darcy coming back, uh, Agent Wu coming back, and and that team of nature, how fun that is. Um because it's built around some great uh, buildup that we've had over the past few episodes for WandaVision. It makes me retroactively appreciate those episodes more. You know, even though a lot of this episode was just like confirming our theories, confirming our ideas, you know, and just kind of like laying it out very simply for maybe those people who aren't super fans who didn't already guess these things, you know, but even if you totally guess these things and knew that it was coming or anticipated it, it's such a great payoff because the way it was set up is so good, um, but it also just leaves the door open for so much more. So it's just like the perfect balance of all the things. Um, and it's just like, it's such a new type of story. Like, I, I don't think that, that a comic book genre has ever taken its audience this serious in like the new newness that it tried to do in the format of, of television and movies, and it's just exciting. Um, and it's also just exciting to, to have the MCU back as the MCU, you know. As much as I love the sitcom part of it, we're, we're moving past the sitcoms. Like, this is the MCU. Uh, it's just great. Great fun. Yeah. Uh, Rob, I'm going to jump in with my thoughts, and I'll let you close off uh, this segment of the show. But for me, this episode, and I mentioned it to you guys, it's everything that I wanted from episode four of WandaVision but without knowing exactly what it was going to be. And it hit every single note for me. Um, there's some humor in this episode. It's very light, but there's some some quick humor here from a returning character that we haven't seen in a very long time. There's a lot of emotion in this episode. And it did something that I was not expecting. It brought me back to the Infinity Saga, so to speak, and really made me appreciate more 
Endgame and the aftermath of that movie. And we'll get into that when we're not talking or when we're into spoiler territory. But yeah, this episode really kind of hit me in all the feels and I cannot wait to see where we go, but there's a lot for me to talk about. So I'm going to keep my spoiler free portion very short and I'm going to turn it over to Rob and just say, this was everything that I wanted from this. And uh, I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, so yeah, I'm going to co-sign a lot of that in, and what I'd really call out is that episode four was really what this show needed to have for myself. Um, and I, and I think a lot of fans who sort of were intrigued by what was happening, but uh, like I said last week, you know, episode three to me was just very much just get on with it and, and show us what's happening. You know, we're all theorizing about what's going on, what's really going in place and we had thoughts about the beekeeper outfit we had thoughts about the helicopter um showing up we had all of these different ideas and theories and trying to figure out what's actually happening and we don't get paid off on all of it but man we do get paid off on quite a bit of it this week and it's exactly what we needed at at this time because to try to give us another week of just you know a throwback sitcom where they're still hinting at some things maybe something's happening maybe not um you know i think a lot of viewers would have been turned off not necessarily turning you know, turning their screen off, but not necessarily as excited about it. And and after what we see this week, um, it was hard for me to imagine that by the end of episode four, I was going to be just as riveted by what we're going to continue to get for the rest of the season as, as what I was. Um, you know, we do get some uh, return characters that maybe weren't massive parts of the MCU, but definitely played their roles and it's it's just it's so great to have the MCU back like like exactly what Harrison said you know well, I think we talked about it in a previous episode or maybe it was the first one um, we're just having that Marvel you know that theme song that opening title crawl where they scroll through all the characters and things like that just having that week after week is so exciting that when we do get these return characters that we haven't seen in a while. Um, it's it just makes me so happy that ah we're back the MCU is back you know sooner or later Black Widow will launch maybe or it'll get delayed again or it'll go on Disney Plus or it won't who knows but it's still exciting and it's gonna it's gonna keep us satiated until we really get the next major MCU release um, I, I'm I'm very intrigued by what's happening now. I will say this. There were a few things here and there that I was like, eh, but you kind of forget about it. It's This is one of those ones where um, it's fun. It, it gets you going in a way that you just kind of acknowledge like, okay, I'm just not going to think about this too deep because I'm just having too much fun with it. And I'm not going to try to make too much sense of it. Because when you do start trying to make too much sense of it, then it's sort of like you can kind of see through the veneer. But um, I'm, I'm still ha – I had a blast this week. Um, I was very much looking forward to my rewatch this week in a way that last week I definitely was not. I was kind of like, all right, I'll get to it when I get to it. Uh, but this week it was definitely something I carved out time and put the good headphones on to re-listen to. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, all really good points here. And uh, listeners, if you – have not watched this episode and you're trying to catch up. Uh, this is where the spoiler free portion is going to end. We're going to get into um, our thoughts of this episode in full. So if you haven't seen it, pause it, come back and finish listening to this episode after that. But 
If you are not pausing this episode, here we go. And uh, gentlemen, I think the only place to start is sometimes we don't do this on the show is literally from the opening scene because this starts off with a bang, so to speak. And it made me think of something that I haven't thought about in quite some time. And that is, as it's referred to, as the snapping and the effect that this would have on people that came back because we got a little bit of it in Endgame. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home kind of treated it as, they used it as a joke a couple times. We're like, oh, that person was snapped. They're not 21. Um, but this really showed the emotion and just the confusion um, of what people would think when, one, they came back, or two, people that they had lost came back. Um, this scene opens in the hospital with Monica coming back from being snapped um, from Thanos. And guys, it's chaos. Um, she's in a hospital room thinking that her mother is supposed to be there. And she finds out she's been gone. Her mother, um, her cancer came back and her mom died. And this episode hit me right away, like right in the gut, like, man, I did not think about what these people had gone through and how emotional it would be for them. And uh, Harrison, I'll, I'll kick off to you first, but that to me, what a way to set the tone and a way to kind of tie things back together and say, hey, this is serious. Because Rob, when you go into this, I'd like you to maybe dive a little bit deeper. I know that you said from Thor Ragnarok, that's kind of where the MCU, like a lot of things became a joke. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Um, but Harrison, what did you think about this opening scene? Cause for me, it was the right, like it set the tone. Uh, yeah. So I remember when it opened and it has like those really, really impressive visuals of Monica being like unsnapped. Mm -hmm. However you say that. Um, and at first I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, because we had episode three end kind of with the cliffhanger where Monica gets like, so we assume, like blasted out of Westview. And so I was like, is this some like weird vision or thing she's having because of Wanda's effects on her? Like, what's going on? And then the more the effect went on and it, it kind of like let out into her fingertips. And then I saw the hospital room. I was like, oh, is this when she was unsnapped? And it like immediately like set me in that mood. And I just thought it was great to let that story, so to speak, be told. And I hope we get more of it because I agree with you that that's Spider-Man Far From Home. It was kind of a joke. You know, I imagine that Spider-Man Far From Home is a little, you know, maybe like a year or two after the snap, you know, where this is like in the moment and all of the confusion that that five year time period would cause. And I'm glad that that's being explored and how that motivates individuals, both Monica and also just the MCU as a whole for what they do and how that leads into what S.W.O.R.D. is and what S.W.O.R.D. is doing and the reason they're reacting the way to Westview and what's happening there. Like, I just thought it was great. It's great set off for further payoffs. And I also appreciate just like you said, it just immediately like caught me with a lot of emotion. Like, wow, this is horrible. And like what people went through is is horrible and it's so easy in comic books to have like huge events that then retcon and mean nothing and i appreciate that they're letting the snap continue to mean something because like in the history of the mcu 
and people, so to speak, or characters who live in it, like that's not something that you just move on from. And I hope that Marvel Studios continues to allow that to affect the rest of the MCU going forward. And not just as like an Easter egg and as a joke, but like truly how it is now. And I, I thought it was just great. And in addition to the MCU as a whole and a great start to the episode. Awesome. Rob, what, uh, what are your thoughts on that opening portion of this episode? I'll tell you what, it definitely wasn't what I was expecting, um, but I loved it. And that's, I think that's what I love most about it was it was not what I was expecting. Um, you know, going back to when we did the, um, the MCU ranking shows, um, you know, I, I enjoyed Thor Ragnarok for what it was. Um, just on, just as a piece of entertainment, it's a great time. I'll rewatch it any chance I get, but I did have a few problems with it. Mostly that I think they bastardized planet Hulk, which is like an awesome run in the comics. And and now we'll never get a true film version of it. But, um, one of the other things that I really sort of disliked about Ragnarok a little bit was to me, that's kind of the beginning of where the MCU just gets a little too silly at times. Um, it, you know, there's some very, very funny moments that are absolutely laugh out loud funny, but it doesn't fit within what they were already doing. Certainly mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy has some very silly moments here and there, but it still ultimately was was kind of, I mean, that was the movie they were telling, but really Ragnarok to me, it was when the whole MCU really started to change towards that, um, probably with the exception of Black Panther. But, you know, certainly there was moments in Infinity War, there's definitely moments in Endgame that are played for laughs that are not really a funny moment. And I think you trace that back to what we saw in Ragnarok and the response to it. So to have, you know, the unsnap happen or the unblipping or what, whatever, you know, I think they called the decimation at, at some point, which is not actually accurate because it's half of all life and the decimation is one tenth of, of something. Um, but they do call it the decimation at different points um, to have that, to let us see those effects was very powerful. Um and, and to see that chaos and people just running into each other in the confusion and, and all the people in the hospital just going, what the heck is going on here? Um, was really, it, it stirred an emotion and, and it really gets you to thinking, you know, certainly um, since Endgame has been over, it's made me wonder like, okay, so we know, like we see at the end of Infinity War, planes falling out of the sky and cars crashing into each other because somebody had been snapped and just disappeared. Well, when they unsnap, well, that, well, all those people re- unsnap into the sky that were in the plane. Like, right. what will happen to people that are in buildings that don't exist anymore? Like, hey, this building caught fire and burned to the ground. Or, hey, they demolished this casino and there were these people who were staying there. And now they just reappear in midair. Like, I don't necessarily know that I need Disney and Marvel to dive into that level of it. But, yeah, I want – I kind of want a more – adult serious approach to how they treat people coming back from this and some of those problems that that are going to arise like i don't necessarily need to see what's going to happen if like a person gets unsnapped right in the middle of open heart surgery and then they come back and like have their their chest still open like i don't need that but um (laughs) i really loved that that's how we started this um, it's, it's a much more serious, uh, take on that. And, and yeah, we got a little bit of it in far from home, but it was played for a joke. Um, and it was funny because that's the movie they were trying to present to us. Um, 
But that was a major event, you know, an incredible event, not just in world history, but in universal history, because we have to assume it was universe wide that this this occurred. Um, and I like the the serious approach. And, um, you know, I hope they I hope we don't forget about it. You know, many times in comics, there's there's a major story and then it's on to the next team up. It's on to the next crossover event that they're trying to hopefully sell. You know, people who only read flash will now have to buy Superman and justice league to see the next part of the story. Like, and they kind of just don't really talk about the last major world changing event anymore. I, I hope that the MCU still retains some of that, um, you know, that, that major event that happened when half of all life disappeared and then came back five years later. Um, certainly there's going to be people with different relationships, you know, husbands and wives where one person got snapped, the other grieved that for a period of time and then moved on and started a new relationship. You know, what does that look like? Um, I think some of those things would be interesting, although I don't need whole movies about it. Um, love the opening. Yeah. uh, Go ahead, Harrison. Oh, I was just going to jump in and say, I, I just love some of the things that Rob said. I think that it was like, it was something that I wasn't expecting to see from WandaVision, and because it was so good, it made me love it even more high how surprised I was by it. But I also just had an idea based off what he was saying. And I hope that with She-Hulk and what it sounds like that series is going to be, that we get some of those weird logistical difficulties presented in like a courtroom drama with She-Hulk that happened because of the snap. I think that that would be hilarious and lots of fun and could be a good balance of humor and seriousness, and I, I just hope that happens. I think that'd be a sweet idea. But the other thing with back to the opening of WandaVision is I think it did really good to establish the seriousness of the show because the show's been a sitcom, and now we're going to get to the point where it's you know reality-altering House of M type stuff, and House of M is a very mature comic in what it deals with in, in the PTSD of Wanda and her grief. And I think it was a good stepping stone for the series of WandaVision to say, okay, you know, we had our fun with our sitcom, but here you go. Like, this is the maturity of this series that we're getting. I, I just thought it was great in lots of ways, but now I really hope that Rob's idea that he generated for me with She-Hulk is a reality. <laughs> I want that to be true, too. Yeah, that would be um, that would be really cool. And, you know... <laughs> It's so funny because the first three episodes, we kind of talked about how there's not a lot to talk about in the episodes themselves other than what our theories are. And we really weren't talking about specific scenes or moments uh, in those episodes. But episode four here, there's a ton of them. You know, you have the opening scene, which we just spent time talking about. You have Monica going to S.W.O.R.D., which we understand is a thing. Um it was already being worked on when she was snapped. Her mother created it. And you get to see that building and some of the inner workings of it, which was really cool to see. Um, But for me too, um, the two stars of the show, and it's kind of hard to say that because there was a lot right about this, but I didn't know we said, you know, what is she going to do in this? But I really love seeing um, Kat Dennings back and getting, um, you know, Darcy, Kat Dennings, and Jimmy Woo. Um, I thought those two were awesome together. And to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit when they basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, but so we're watching a sitcom with two Avengers. Um, Just like that little wink at like, yeah, this is something totally different and we get it. But 
I, I like that little light humor there. I, I thought that was pretty cool, but them trying to figure out what's going on. And again, there's not a lot, but she added some nice little humor to this episode, which for the most part is really serious, but I really like those two, their interaction. And even that first scene between Jimmy and Monica about, Hey, tell me um, what you just told me here, officers. And they have no clue what they're talking about. They're just like, yeah, Eastview doesn't exist. Like, see you later. Um, It's when you really start to understand really what's going on here and how deep this runs. Um, You know, uh, Rob, I'll let you start this time. What did you think about getting uh, Darcy back and her role in this episode and maybe potentially going forward? You know, I was excited because I like Kat Dennings. I think she's really funny in most of the things I've seen her in. And I think, you know, it's great to see um, Disney and Marvel picking some characters that were not major players in previous films um, and giving them more to do. Um, you know, it was it was cool to see her as her own um you know, she's, she is uh, a scientific genius. She's, she's very knowledgeable in her field. She's an expert in her field. Um, and she's not just kind of a sidekick. So I, I really did enjoy seeing that. Um, uh, the one, the one thing that kind of annoys me about science fiction movies is they've got two kind of, um, deus ex machina devices that they use whenever they need something to be magical, but they want to use science instead of magic. And one of them is quantum. That's your, that's how you get out of everything in, uh, in science fiction. You just say it has something to do with quantum physics and you're done. Um, and because they're already doing quantum and Ant-Man and the wasp, uh, they had to go with the other one, which is cosmic. And that's the other way you get out of stuff. Something's either quantum or it's cosmic, and then you can make science basically be magic. And um, and it doesn't have to make any sense at all. So when when she pulled out, you know, the cosmic radiation thing, I went, okay, fine. Um, the other like the other small nitpick I have about this is just. It, people who are smart are are just like insanely smart in, in science fiction, especially in the MCU. Like um, Tony Stark decides he's going to figure out how to make time travel work. So he just kind of does it like after dinner while he's having his coffee, you know, like there's it's, it's amazing how smart they make us think these people really are and, and just how quickly smart people can just solve everything when unfortunately it just, it doesn't work that way. But it, it to me, there are, as much as I enjoyed this, um, it did feel at parts like this episode was a little bit rushed. Like they, they didn't really like Darcy shows up and she just figures it out. Oh, I've got this spectral analyzer thing and it's cosmic radiation and boom, there's our answer. And Hey, get me a TV. Like, here we go. I figured it all out. And it took me 45 seconds of showing up here. Um, I, I didn't like how rushed it was, but largely it was great having those two characters back. And if you didn't quite catch it, um, when we first see Agent Wu again, um, he does the little card trick that um, it was just, I, it was laugh out loud to me. And it's it's definitely a cool little Easter egg reference to Ant-Man and the Wasp when, when Paul Rudd is showing him, you know, all the, all the card magic he's been learning while he's been, he's been stuck at home. Like many of us have been lately come to think of it. Um, I feel like I should learn card magic now, but I just thought that was such a cool thing that, um, <laughs> that agent Wu had learned. And um, I, I, I really did. It, I really enjoyed them together because it, it did add a little bit of levity to what was overall a pretty serious scene. And, and we even saw, you know, getting a later part of this, um, we really see it. You know, I, we had kind of talked about last week, 
Wanda's most likely the antagonist and the villain of this series. And we, we saw more um, of that at the end of this episode in a scene that was actually taking place in episode three. Um, we saw more than what we got last week that really confirms that that's got to be true. Um, so it was nice having these two to, to not make it so dreary the whole time. Yeah, Harrison, where do you where do you stand on that? Uh, I thought they were a great addition. I thought their comedy off of each other was hilarious. I love the character of Jimmy Woo in the MCU. I also like that he's not part of Sword. Like he's just like a, I think he's like a CIA agent. <laughs> like he's so simple. Like I love the scenes where he kept going up to the whiteboard and writing down questions that are like the same questions we're asked, asking. You know, why is there a hexagon shape? Why is it a sitcom? Is it the same time and space? Is Vision alive? Like, it's just, because it's him, it makes it so much funnier to me. Like, it's funny that they're being so, like, lampshading, but the fact that it's Jimmy Woo doing it makes it even better. And it's, like I said in my, uh, the, the two-minute thing at the beginning, there it's a small team-up, you know? It's the two of them huddled around a TV, and he's like, are you crying? She's like, well, I'm invested. Like, I don't know what it is about the two of them and existing in such like side character roles in MCU to see them like get their own thing that they're doing and have it built around these existing characters that I find hilarious is tons of fun. Uh, the one thing that does bother me though, is that Darcy, I'm pretty sure she was a political science major and I, in Thor one, I'm pretty sure they made a joke about how she's a political science major. And now she's like a super scientist in like three different fields. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like I can just accept that you changed that. But it's like, there's just a small part of me that's like, well, I haven't <laughs> forgotten that joke, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do. Uh, I do remember them saying that. Um, and that's one of the things too, is kind of like, okay. Um, I mean, there is technically a lot of time that has passed between Thor one and where we are now in this time frame with the MCU, but still um, they did make mention of that. So uh, Harrison, I did like though, too, how you said just all the questions on the whiteboard is, you know, again, just kind of literally like that line of, so we're watching a sitcom with the Avengers, you know, it was just kind of going along with the flow. I really liked it that it, it felt like, I don't know why it made me feel more attached to the show that they had the same questions and that's probably intentional to draw you in more, but I thought it was a really nice touch. Um, I also noticed too, he wrote on that board too. If you look, um, there is mention of the scrolls on the whiteboard and do they have anything to do with this? So just the fact that they're like basically throwing right now, like anything at the wall, so to speak and seeing like, okay, what sticks, where are we going? Um, again, I think it's just these nice little, these nice little touches. And, you know, one thing too, that I want to ask is this made me feel a little bit more, again, like connected to Wanda and vision. And one scene that really got to me um, was you find out that you know, you see the scene where Monica mentions Ultron and that he killed her brother and Wanda throws her out of the house and she turns around to see Vision. But you see Vision, how Thanos had left him with the giant hole in his head. 
Uh, he has no color scheme whatsoever, and it's vision when he is dead after the Mind Stone was pulled out of his head. And that got to me because, um, again, I was like, wow, like I didn't care about Wanda and Vision for quite a while. This show has made me turn the corner on them. But then seeing that and like what that did to her, her reaction, um, it made me think that because of Monica mentioning Ultron, that it even for a minute there took Wanda out of this reality because she wasn't controlling it. She was more thinking about actual reality and not her perceived reality. And that's why vision did not appear to her like he was supposed to. Um, uh, Harrison, I'll let you start. Any theories on why vision turned that way? Or is it just, you know, maybe again, some of these things we're just thinking too much of. Uh, whatever's happening. That was a great scene. She turned around and it was vision like that. And it, it like made me physically uncomfortable. Like it was so creepy and like eerie. And I was like, Oh, like, like <laughs> put them back to normal. And it was just really effective. Uh, and I think in, in short, it's just more of getting into Wanda's mindset, which I think is so exciting to explore, you know, like if I, if I'm doing the math, right. You know, Wanda, she was snapped whatever happens to an individual when they're snapped, you know, whether they're the soul stone or whatever theory you, you choose to subscribe to something happened to this individual for five years and then they come back. And in Wanda's situation, she came back and vision was gone. And she had to deal with that grief of having killed him to save the universe to then have him resurrected and then killed by someone else to then have the universe destroyed. Like that's a lot she's gone through. Um, but anyway, back to the timetable. If I've got it right, she came back from the snap, you know, had her part in Avengers Endgame with Thanos. And then, according to the WandaVision show, within about three weeks, created Westview because Monica comes back to S.W.O.R.D. within three weeks of being unsnapped. And so this isn't something that, like, Wanda has been stewing over for a large amount of time. Like, it was where she wasn't existing, and then she came back, and within three weeks she's created another reality. Like, that's how extreme her powers are. And I think that it just kind of shows, like, maybe the control that the grief is having over her. I'm, I'm thinking way too much about that scene and the other trailers that have come out. But I think it's kind of, like, showing, like, how much Wanda personally is dealing with and how that's the cause of everything. But either way, it was super creepy and, and really effective. Yeah, Rob, thoughts? Um, initially, so we saw, we, we kind of speculated in, in previous weeks, um, is vision there? Is this all Wanda's doing? Is somebody influencing this and Wanda's going along for the ride? Um, my initial thought when I saw that was, uh, perhaps to make her reality what she wanted, um, because it feels as though everybody in that town is actually a real person in that town. Um, right. there's all those people that they identified, you know, that are cast as this person and that person. So it seems to me logical that somebody would have to be vision. Um, and is it possible that she has his, you know, whatever is left of his synthesoid body, um, brought into that reality and kind of like breathes life into it. Um, and it's really just his soulless synthesoid body kind of being, you know, floated around in the air that, that she's just kind of given um, 
this existence to again. So that's sort of the first thing I thought was, okay, is she actually seen what is or was it just a, you know, she was struck in that moment by um, having to confront actual real reality as opposed to this dream world she's created. Um, is she now having to confront vision as what is left of him or what had happened to him? And that was really what she was seeing there. Um, I'm fascinated by both of those outcomes, which neither of which are probably true. And I'm fascinated by what they actually do with it. Yeah, because when he, you know, he comes back in the house and asks what happened to Monica and, you know, he says to her, he's like, you know, we can leave. And, you know, she, again, like really good scene. Like she's, and she has just impressed me this entire series so far, but the fact that she just kind of tears up and says, we, we can't go anywhere. Like this is our home. Um, you know, again, you realize that if she leaves here, this is this is over. Um, this is what she has. This is what she's going to do. And she, for the most part, unless there's a little bit of a twist and somebody else is pulling the string, so to speak, um, she's done this and she doesn't care that anybody else has been affected by it because this is the reality that she wants to live in. She doesn't want to live in the other reality that is now... Um, you know, befallen all the other Avengers and people coming back because the person that she wants to come back, you know, I mean, there's two people, if you think about it, her brother can't come back and vision, um, which is also too. And maybe it's nothing, but it, it's interesting to me that she has chosen to bring vision back. And if she can do this, why is Quicksilver not back? Why can't she do the same thing with him? Um, and I don't know if that's going to play into it. Certainly I've had some thoughts on that, but it, it was, again, for me, just another scene where I was just really impressed with how devastated she seems that he's actually what it looks like. He is gone. And the only way he's here is by manipulating reality. But um, my one question too, that I'm going to have here is, where do we think the missing person that originally started this episode, so to speak, too, as to why they were going there? Uh, you don't really get anything further on that. Just, hey, it's a missing person's case. Rob, what do you think about that? Who could that possibly be? And, you know, is it another character that we're supposed to be seeing or... Is it just somebody that for some reason went missing because of Wanda? And does it have anything to do with maybe Monica being able to enter and Jimmy Woo isn't, you know, the people that she's been able to bring in this reality, are they people that were snapped? Does that have anything to do with why these people are able to be manipulated? There, whew, there is a lot there. Um, initially, as I was watching it, I was, uh, on the first watch through, I was, I was thinking, okay, so he's, um, Jimmy Wu says that's, um, you know, somebody in the witness protection program and he's in New Jersey, you know, th this is where the town is. Um, and he's coming in from, from California. So there's gotta be a reason why he's connected to that. Um, 
you know, why wouldn't they just have the local field office dispatch somebody? Um, so the fact that this is a person in the witness protection program, that is really compelling to me. And I have yet to come up with a good theory as to who that person actually is, um, because it feels like it should be connected in some way to the larger MCU. But we haven't seen this person yet. Um, because it really felt weird to me that once S.W.O.R.D. gets involved, that the FBI has any presence at all whatsoever, because it sort of feels like at that point they just say, OK, you know, we've got jurisdiction here. This is way outside your pay grade. Go back home, kid. Um, that's really what it felt like. But yet he was still there and actively participating in the investigation. Um, so there has to be something about who this missing person was that is in the witness protection program. Um, that is keeping him there, and I think will be revealed at some point, uh, hopefully soon. Um, but I have no theories as to who this person is. Um, I'm fascinated by what this could be, and it it might end up being nobody we've already seen, but somebody that's going to set a lot of events in motion um, for the foreseeable future. What if it's Loki? You know, just throwing something crazy out there. Like, what if it's actually him? Um, what if he's somehow involved? We know that he gets his own Marvel show at some point, and we know that he can mess with people and he has some different abilities and he's a trickster. Um, what if he's somehow involved in this? I don't know. I, I'm probably not even remotely close to right, but holy cow, just the the things that I've been so excited to be wrong about so far um, with regards to this show has been just really exciting. Yeah. Um, Harrison, you know, because there's, he actually says to Monica too, um, she asks him before she gets sucked into this reality, why haven't you like gone into town? And he literally says, it doesn't want me to. Um, so that's why I'm wondering if it has something to do with people that have been, that have been snapped um, and that they're easier to manipulate or bring into this reality. So any, any thoughts on, uh, on that Harrison or who this person might be? Uh, yeah, I don't have too many theories involving that. The, my first thought is just that it involves the character of Agnes. Like I've been mentioned, my theory really leans heavily on her developing Wanda into an antagonist. I hope Wanda becomes the villain of Doctor Strange, but I think this series is kind of setting up how Agnes's character is kind of setting that emotion. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of in line with that theory, I think that it's involving that in some way that that agnes and wanda got together in some way somebody from the witness protection program disappeared and uh now we have westview um you know maybe it's one of their babies who knows uh, maybe it's the person that they're using to recreate the likeness of vision i'm not sure but whatever's going on i i really think that it involves agnes helping wanda to create what's going on whether wanda was aware of it or not I think that it just heavily involves Agnes. Yeah. Um, again, there's there's so many things that could be coming from this show because one of the things that that I have heard is that WandaVision, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man, you have to think of them as kind of like a trilogy, so to speak, that each one of them really leads into what's happening here in Phase 4. Um, and I know they said that they're connected, but it seems like realistically every one of these things is going to be so integral to the other that it's 
it, it just pushes everything forward. So that's going to be really interesting to see um, what's going on there, because it seems probably the way that this is setting up that, you know, Dr. Strange probably is going to know what's going on here. Um, maybe that's what he's doing right now is similar to Infinity War when he's sitting there like looking at hundreds of thousands of possible outcomes. Um, he's out there figuring out exactly what's happening right now with Wanda and how to, you know, get her to come back, so to speak, without, you know, ripping everything apart. Um so that's certainly interesting to me. Um, Harrison, what else do you have for this episode? Because, again, there was a lot of good stuff. But, you know, anything else that really stood out to you that you want to bring up? Um, let me think here super quick. Oh, I think... Um, I loved the moment where, well, I'm trying to think. There's so many things that I could say. Like you said, <laughs> there's so many things that they could, that I want to talk about. It could mean something, but, but this is what I say. I think that next episode is going to be gangbusters crazy. Like, I just really think that it's just going to get weirder and more trippy and more intense as S.W.O.R.D., tries to interfere with Wanda more and more. And I'm super, super excited about it. Like, I love that we got to see how Wanda manipulated the reality when there was an, an invader, whether it was the drone that, you know, we now know is a little toy or whether it was the beekeeper who was actually the dude in the hazmat suit, just like we guessed, you know, there. But they didn't see that when they were watching the sitcom. It was it had a cut or an edit in some way where Wanda's really controlling this reality. And I think the more that they try and interrupt that, the more that Wanda's going to have to try and control the reality and the crazier it's going to get. And I think in S.W.O.R.D.'s attempt to manage this situation, they're going to make it worse. And that's going to be the events of Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, which I think would be really cool with the timeline. You know, it almost as if like S.W.O.R.D., has this Westview incident kind of that they're dealing with and has it under wraps. And then kind of towards the end of it, Dr. Strange is using his, his mystic abilities to observe everything and, and interfere only in the ways he deems necessary. And then at the same time, we have the deal with Mysterio in Europe. And then those three events kind of end at the same time. And then they have like an, an explosion into the multiverse and the madness contained therein. And, Obviously, there's going to be have to a lot that happens in WandaVision to get to that point. Um, and I hope, just based off the trailers we've been seeing, this is just a theory I'm going to throw out there, that Vision is the first to realize that Wanda is the antagonist. I hope that that happens and that he's the one, whether he's alive or not, mm -hmm. that makes a break back to reality and that that would spur even more. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I like your theory about Doctor Strange getting involved, though, because I feel like that's really very reminiscent of the comics and specifically House of M, which this is really a lot like. Um, but I also loved how this episode was like, oh, yeah, we know you comic readers who know the story of House of M. Well, you thought you were catching on, but now you're not. You know, And like, I just love how <laughs> unique every episode feels from this point on. 
Yeah, because, um, Rob, I'll let you um, jump in here. You know, Harrison, you said Vision. He does seem to be the one that kind of always starts the the process of, wait a minute, something's not right here. Even when he's at his job and he's just like, well, why do we do what we do here? Like, what does it mean? <laughs> um, I mean, if this is his reality and Wanda's creating this – you know, in that context, why would he even be questioning it? Like, it should just be, it's his job. He doesn't question it, but he questions there. Um, he has, you know, questions for Wanda when she's pregnant. And then we all talked about it. We thought our internet connection, like, skipped um, because the show backtracks. But it's it's Wanda stopping him from asking questions. Um, it, I, I do think that Vision is starting for whatever reason and whether or not whether or not it's part of him is still somewhat there because of the mind stone um you know because we don't know with cap bringing stones back exactly you know what this did because who knows maybe wanda has plucked vision from another reality um certainly things like that have been talked about with other characters and certain things um so maybe he's dead. Maybe he's been plucked from another universe. Uh, but he definitely seems to be the one that's noticing the, the the cracks in the armor. And nobody wants to tell him anything. When he questions it, it's either one Wanda, you know, kind of takes back time, so to speak, and rewinds it. Or people just are very vague with him about what's going on. So, um, Rob, you know, any further thoughts on that kind of stuff? You know, one of the things that I, I think right at the very beginning seemed kind of strange to me was that, you know, they just kind of drop sword on us like out of nowhere. This is the first time we've heard of them. This is the first time we've seen them. They just it's this massive program clearly funded by either the U.S. government or, or the United Nations or something. Um, they've clearly got a space program because they talk about an astronauts program uh, and Monica being grounded. So it it does feel a little shoehorned in that we'd never really heard of this organization before um you know like iron man not involved at all in any way like that seems weird to me especially when it's captain marvel's bff that kind of you know founded this whole thing and she never thought to mention it because clearly this was already in place before the snap because monica was working um there pre-snap um so this is something that's existed before the events of infinity war um it, it's just it feels weird that this just kind of oh this this is a thing now yeah don't worry about it it's a thing now just go with it guys um so I'll, i'm curious to see how they kind of explain that because it does feel a little bit like a retcon to me um and but outside of that i just really love as as somebody who briefly worked in television and film a little bit and radio um, I just love the fact that they keep bouncing back and forth with the aspect ratios and um, I, I noticed it every time they've done it. I've, I've talked to some people that it didn't really occur to them what was going on, but when it flips back and forth between the 16 by nine aspect ratio of HD and then goes back to the four by three of, you know, standard definition television pre HD, um, it, it really is a very cool transition to show you what is the real world and what is Wanda's manufactured reality. And, and the way that they kind of filter things so that it's, 
you know, clearly one picture is HD, that's the real world. And then it kind of looks a little bit different to be the sixties or the seventies or, or whatever it is they're, they're trying to, um, you know, trying to present it as um, just little things like that are just such a cool touch to really add on to the world building um, that they're going. I just, I love it. And I, I, I'm absolutely in love with the fact that they ended this episode with Jimi Hendrix voodoo child. It's an all time classic jam. I love Hmm. it. And it's just, it slaps so hard every time. There's never a time where voodoo child comes on and you go, ah, crap. I didn't want to hear this song right now. Um, And, uh, and I just love that. um, I love that they use it here. Um, Certainly the, the implications of voodoo and magic and and all relating to Scarlet witch. Um, I just, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, when that song started playing, um, I, I was like, oh, God, yes, because I, you know, who doesn't love that song? Um, I don't know. Maybe Harrison, you don't. But um, <laughs> weird people. Um, but probably I the also, same kind of people who like The Last Jedi. Uh, well, oh, so, oh, man, I'm telling you. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, but, you know. With that, too, I think they specifically chose lyrics from Voodoo Child to really fit what's going on. Um, Because certainly the second line of Voodoo Child that they put into this episode really kind of lets you know that Wanda has really created this or has a hand in this where, you know, she's picking up dust. I mean, literally people were turned to dust for God's sakes with the snap. So I, I thought it was a very clever way to tie that song into the episode and just like a really great capper for what was a phenomenal episode. Um, clearly to me, the best episode of WandaVision um, by far, but um, we uh, do Harrison, need to though, real quick, we need to give props to Harrison real quick because he was, I'm going to call it three quarters, right. On his prediction about the helicopter, um, having something to do with Geraldine's appearance. Uh, I believe his actual prediction yeah. was she used the helicopter to get into Westview. Um, right. and he was like three quarters, right. You know, it, it was, the, it was the drone that she put in there and then she walked in shortly after. So they were absolutely connected. Um, I'm going to give him three quarters right. What do you think, Matt? Is it, is it three quarter or you're going to go all the way to, to right? Uh, I, I mean, I think pretty much I, I'm going to give him right um, just because it was pretty much spot on besides, you know, essentially that was the reason why she was in there in the first place because she's like, well, where the heck did it go? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that was a really – I, I think that gives him a hundred percent accuracy. So uh, I'm going to text him and hopefully he gives me some lottery numbers and we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, I don't have any of those. I'm sorry. But- <laughs> I will say it was one of the most satisfying things watching this episode, because if anybody listened to our Mandalorian episodes that we did here, I was wrong so frequently and I put so much work into those theories. And so to have ideas whether they're super important or meaningful in the long run, but just to like be right about something and the excitement of that, it was so fulfilling <laughs> in the most unimportant way. When every single time something happened, I was like, I knew it. I knew it. I guessed it. And it, it made me feel way too important. <laughs> so, you know, we were on episode five coming up here um, this coming week, and we still have not seen you know, 
one, I think, really important character. Um, and also, two. well, I- I'm going to say two based on, you know, Harrison's been, you know, saying, oh, I've been cheating and I was going on IMDb. Um, we have not seen Evan Peters yet. And we have not seen or heard, because I'm sure it's a voice. Uh, we haven't heard James Spader as Ultron. And he is credited as Ultron voice on IMDb. So two pretty important people. Uh, obviously, we know who James Spader is. And we certainly talked about Evan Peters and what he might represent. So, you know, again, it's... There's still a lot more to come. There is probably a lot of twists and turns and some, oh my God moments. Like I, I can't believe, cause it just, it seems like they have said, you know what we are, we're exploring all avenues and we're a comic book franchise, so to speak. And we're just going to tap into everything. So I'm really excited about that to see what these two characters are going to bring in. Um, but I, I do want to ask, have you guys, and this is the first time that I've done it. Um, Cause I haven't really seen them before the show started was the last time I really saw a preview for it. Did you by any chance get to see the preview for the next episode. Cause there's a couple things that happen in there that make me rethink a couple theories. Did either of you guys watch that? I don't, I'm not sure. I did not I have, I've seen like trailers, but there's so many that I don't know which one's which. Yeah. Um, there, there's an episode five trailer that once again, uh, it is, it shows vision questioning what is going on. Um, in this reality, it shows almost what looks like a confrontation between the two of them. And it, it shows one scene where I still think somebody else is helping Wanda pull the strings or made a deal with her because, Rob, I know you absolutely love this movie. But in the scene, Wanda's eyes turn completely black. And in a lot of these movies, when that happens, um, it happens in X-Men Apocalypse. Harrison, just like The Last Jedi, Rob adores X-Men Apocalypse. Um, So loves it. Absolutely loves it. But that happens to Charles Xavier in that movie where Apocalypse takes him over. Um, And it kind of makes me think that there is somebody else still behind the scenes, maybe helping um Wanda in this universe that she's created um but it's certainly an interesting preview that again it could mean nothing but there's there's a lot of indications um in this episode in this episode preview um if you guys eventually get to check it out or if maybe you check it out after the episode to see what it um you know showcase so to speak yeah, I'm trying to find it right here so I can watch it. Let me see if I can. Because I want to be able I, to I did not watch it. And yeah, one of the things that, Matt, we talked about with Mandalorian is very much unlike a lot of other major, um, you know, the, the kinds of shows that people talk about when they go to work on Monday morning. Um, 
you know, the Mandalorian did not say next week on the Mandalorian, you know, we didn't get like, you know, the music in the background with a preview to kind of spoil some things that were coming up. Because first of all, that show doesn't need to bait the hook at all to get you interested to come back next week. Like if you're not super pumped for the following week's Mandalorian, then you don't have a pulse. I think, I don't know Maybe you're weird. Um, (laughs) So they didn't need it. And I sort of like the fact that they didn't do that because I had all week of my own thoughts, my own theories, my own kind of trying to figure out what's going to happen next um, without necessarily anything being spoiled or without any, you know, in a lot of cases, I think when, when shows do that and maybe they show a twist or a fake twist or something like that, um, it, it really ruins the actual moment on the show when it happens because it, it, it spoils some things for you. So um, I'm glad so far that Disney's not been doing that because I think it, it makes it a little more fun. Um, And as long as they keep making shows this good, they won't need to, to get people to come back the following week. Yeah. Now, now when you say spoil, I mean, do do you mean Batman V Superman spoil where that final trailer pretty much gave you the opening middle and final act? because that's an indication of a studio going too far with a trailer. I think the studio went too far with that film overall. (laughs) Um, Harrison, did you, um, did you find that or any thoughts on uh, any of the things that were just said? Oh, Harrison might be actually listening to the up oh, yep he's he's watching that trailer now so i think he's going to come back here with with a thought on that rob so um i'm going to pose it to you do you and we said that we needed something in episode four like we need to know what's going on and i thought for me i needed some form of of action in this. But again, I said at the beginning here, I definitely did not need, um, I didn't know what I absolutely needed and how to put it, you know, into words, but you know, if we don't get a lot of action in this and it's still just like really mind bending with reality, I I think I'm okay. I think this showed that you can understand, you know, what's happening and how deep this rabbit hole goes. Um, I, I do think we'll see some, but I think this is still going to stay very grounded, so to speak, um, in relative terms to any kind of like actual fights um, in, in this show. So, you know, you're, you're right. We, we weren't really sure what specifically we needed to happen this week, but I I agree with you a hundred percent. We needed something to pay off what we've been leading up to because there's just a lot of, okay, we get it. Wanda's losing her mind. She's created this alternate reality. This isn't what it seems to be. We kind of needed a little bit of what we got and and for them to pay it off the way that they did really was, um, was a lot more than we could have ever expected. Um, I'm perfectly prepared for next Friday to be just another sitcom episode with, with more breadcrumbs for you to follow that something else is going on too. Um, and, and even if we don't get anything back in the real world, I think I'm going to be okay because I think now that we've got a better understanding of the stakes and what's happening and, and what other things to keep an eye out for, um, 
ultimately I would kind of like to see things split almost 50 50. I'd like to see it bounce back and forth between the sitcom and, and the real world. Um, but if they go two or three more episodes with, with just the sitcom and just continuing to build the tension, um, I think it could be okay, but I don't think that's really what's going to happen. I think we're ultimately going to see sword finding a way to try to infiltrate and, and try to, to, you know, implode that false reality. Um, and ultimately, if they have to send people in, um, you might see that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Harrison, have Sorry. you... No, you're fine. Did you was... manage to get through that? I did. Sorry, I disappeared for a second because I was so invested in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, holy smokes. Uh, I saw there's also, just Matt, if you're curious, there's a super like it's like 20 seconds a leaked promo for episode six so similar to the promo that they're doing for episode five there's one for episode six that was leaked apparently it was like 15 minutes long but then disney plus took it down and it's only like 26 now but i'm not going to talk about that because it might spoil things um but holy smokes i i don't even know what to say beyond whatever's going to happen sitcom sword whatever it is we're going to be viewing it's going to be nuts and it's just going to continue to get more and more nuts. And I'm excited for it. And I'm not really sure about so many of the things that I saw. I think I have more questions than I do ideas at this point. Uh, but I'm very excited nonetheless. I see. I see. So, um, you know, guys, I think this is where we're, we're going to get into the final recap here of what we think. So, Rob, I'll let you go first. Um your final thoughts on the episode and how many reels are you going to give this one? So, you know, going back to when we did the second part of the MCU rankings at that point, there was quite a few shows that had been announced for Disney plus. And one of the things we talked about was which of those are we most excited about? Um, I did not mention WandaVision at the time as a show that I was super excited about compared to some of the other things that we were being offered. And that really changed for me during the uh, the Disney investors kind of presentation when they just rolled out, hey, guys, here's all the stuff that's coming. And our minds all collectively exploded that day. Like every nerd's <laughs> brain just went, oh, my God, I can't take it. Poof. You know, and um, and at that point, when we started seeing what this show was going to be, I went, oh, my God, what is this thing? This is going to be nuts. This is going to be wild. Um and for this week, we finally really got that. I mean, we we know that going forward, this thing is going to just continue to be kind of nuts, kind of bonkers, kind of nothing we've seen from from the MCU or Disney before. Um, so it was so great to get that payoff. Um, for me, I'm going four and a half out of five reels um, just for how, um, how intriguing everything now is. Um, I mean, I'm just very, very much looking forward to next Friday. Yeah. Uh, Harrison, I'll let you go, man. What's What are your final thoughts on this episode? Uh, if To give it a reels ranking or rating, I would give it the same thing as Rob, four and a half stars. There was just so much that was exciting about it. Um, and it was just well-crafted, and I loved every minute of it. It, it was just great. It's exciting to see what could be happening, even if I'm totally wrong. Even though it was gratifying to see myself be right, 
I'm okay if I'm wrong because everything is just so exciting. And with how rewarding these payoffs felt, I can't wait for that to happen more in the season. And also, I can't wait for it to just get wacky. I like. I really hope that they that they treat it with the level of maturity that they have been, and that we it really is as weird as I think it's going to be. I, I'm just excited. Um, but yeah, this is this is probably my favorite episode of the entire season. But I'm sure that's quickly going to change. Yeah, um, which is super exciting to think like, oh, this is because, again, I'm going to agree with you guys. Uh, four and a half reels for me. I thought this was the best episode so far, but by no means do I think this is where the fun stops or this is where the quality like, OK, we're kind of at a cap here. Um, I fully expect this to be just a roller coaster uh, right up until the end. So for me, I am now super excited. Um it's very interesting to see too how much Disney Plus is using these shows to shape everything that's coming. It's it's certainly a new journey, one that we had heard about. Um, I don't think for me personally, I, I really thought about the degree of really how far these shows are going to, you know, go into setting up movies and setting up the universes that we're going to see going forward. So. Uh, super excited to come back next week, talk about episode five. Um, I just think, you know, again, we're going to get further and further down the rabbit hole and more and more excitement to see what actually is going to come of this. So uh, I give this four and a half reels. And for all the listeners, uh, once again, I know all three of us, thank you so much. Um, you know, every episode here, I want to make sure that we plug uh, Harrison in the basement binge. If you haven't checked out his show, make sure that you do. His notes are always going to be, um, well, his his show links are going to be in the notes for this episode. Make sure you check that out. Um, Rob, thanks for being here. And anything that you need to contact the show, interact with the show is going to be in the notes here. So until next week, uh, this has been Mondays with Maximoff, uh, WandaVision episode four. So thanks for listening and we'll see you here next week.